Welcome to the final week here of our Activate series. Glad you guys came out. Everybody else is sleeping still. Feels nice and lonely. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, excited you're here. And today I want to talk about, actually, the talk today is a little tough for me because it's really one of those subjects that is easier caught than taught, I guess you would say. So there's not much on your hand out there. Uh, one, because when it was handout time, I was incredibly uh, tired and lost as to what should go on it. So I just honestly sent in kind of a blank one. But I do have points, so you'll have to write a little more than normal today. And a few more scriptures than when we printed the handout. But the main thought today is something that's kind of cliche, actually. It's right there on the top. You can probably fill in the blank really easy. But we're talking about the subject of, of sharing today. And, and you've heard it said, right? Sharing is caring. Yeah, sharing is caring. Man, isn't that, it's a pretty simple concept, but yet really, really true and exemplified throughout Scripture. So again, a fitting passage today is 1 Thessalonians 2.8, which says uh, that we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And it's this concept of, of being uh, delighted to share is just incredible. I, I don't know if you could say your life is one marked by being delighted to share. Or when you share, does it come across even like, do you have to talk yourself into it not being a forced project to share? Does sharing come naturally? And the goal would be that it's intuitive, right? Uh, quick replay of what we've been dialoguing about. Catch anyone up who hasn't been here. But uh, we've reached this moment in the series by looking at this kind of cyclical process of connect, serve, share. And that really, I believe, if you have a growing relationship with Jesus, or if you want your relationship with Jesus to be growing, you should be constantly connecting, constantly serving, constantly sharing. And the passage that really exemplifies this beautifully is the one listed there in your handout with some blanks that you can, blanks that aren't part of the passage, but they're great moments to remind us uh, of what's happening. So you can write the words down as we go along here. But Matthew 9.35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. What was He doing? Connecting. So you could write that in that little blank. Uh, I'm not adding to Scripture because I don't want the result of what Revelation says happened to someone. I just want you to think about what's happening there. Then it says, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So what is he doing? Serving. So he's connecting. He's going to every town and village. He's serving. He's teaching, preaching, and healing. And then it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So there he's sharing with them. So that spot is sharing. He's sharing with them vision. He's sharing with them how they should pray. He's sharing with them the need. And you wrap those together, and he does it over and over again. In a second, we're going to read the rest of where that passage leads us in Matthew 10 and how he did it again as he was equipping and sending out his first 
like evangelism outing or whatever with his 12 as he sends them out two by two to places. But uh, when we continue connecting, serving, and sharing, we become active, growing followers of Jesus. And it's really uncomplicated. It's really not that tough. Uh, There's no secret sauce, if you would. And so today we're going to focus in on this element of the sharing piece, the being delighted to share. And what does that look like? And how does God challenge us to do it? Sharing by itself uh, will not bring delight. It kind of is how you share, when you share, what you share. Uh, So so I want us to think about it uh, for a second. Consider the gospel that is shared through shouting, uh, the, the megaphone gospel, if you would, right? Have you experienced that before? Uh, maybe proclaimed by drive-by, Jesus! It's usually not loves you, right? It's like, hate you! <laughs> and I was, when we first were moving down here from Issaquah, I went to Starbucks with uh, the youth pastor I was taking over for in Auburn, and, and we were sitting there at Starbucks in Covington on the outdoor patio, nice summer day and spring day, whatever. It was just warm enough to sit outside, which to us is like right now. But anyway, so we were, we were there hanging out on the patio and, and drinking some coffee, and somebody goes by with like uh, an evangelistic pimped-out minivan, right? It was this gray, like kind of falling apart minivan, but taped all over the windows were signs of repent or burn. And, and then on the top, it was like the ice cream truck m- microphones. And they literally had the like megaphone thing, like the little, and they were like going, turn to Jesus or you die, you know, and they're screaming at people as they drive by. And you really couldn't understand necessarily what they were doing. I knew, you know, but I was going, think about what if Jesus taught that? right? Like, what if that was his example and, and instead of connecting and serving and sharing? Or what if this was his example of sharing? Like, this would be harder than what we're asked to do, wouldn't it? Can you imagine? All of you would have to go buy a minivan and, and pimp it out with the speakers and stuff. If you're going to be a part of the church, man, you got to, when you're driving to work, you got to, people. And uh, I, man, it, it works for some, I mean, here's what's amazing about God is He allows that to bear fruit. I mean, you can't, as long as some are saved, Paul says in Philippians 2. I mean, so that's what's like, wow, Lord, you're gracious. Because uh, that doesn't connect with me and it doesn't connect with my friends. But that's also not what we're necessarily charged to do in Scripture. We don't have to go to that drastic of a measure and and complicate this thing called sharing. Jesus models personal connection. And so much so, God desired to model that so much so He sent His only Son because He so loved the world, right? To connect with humanity and temptation and life. This is powerful. So it's important as well when and what we share. Uh, We must carry the correct message, good news Jesus sends his disciples out to proclaim. Great joy the angel shared with the shepherds. 
Can you imagine the angel showing up in the field? And he's like, shepherds, I know one of your sheep just died yesterday, and that's a great thing because you guys are going to hell, right? That'd be weird. The angel said, no, I bring you good news of great joy. These kind of protests at funerals, I'm sorry, but that's not the true gospel. Remember, God so loved that he sent his son. And it says in verse 17 of John 3, not to condemn. God was not so angry with humanity that he was forced to send his stinking son. And he was the whole time going, hate these people. i got to send my... No. That's not the Father God we just worshipped for 20 minutes. God loves us. He doesn't want to bury us deeper in our sin. He wants to lift us up. He gives us a way out. The rest of the story here about following Jesus' model of connect, serve, and and, and share, the rest of the story after Matthew 9 uh, literally begins with Jesus. Jesus is like, sharing the role of what in that day would be considered priest with these 12 disciples of his. He's, he's sharing now the, the mission that the priest usually had to share God and forgiveness through righteousness and relationship with him. And, and so, he's sending them out as priests, these 12 people. Not, he didn't like go through the priestly rites or practices. And, and, you know, and you can get from this, you can deduce this concept. You've probably maybe heard of it called priesthood of the believers. The reality that we are all given the mission to be the priest in our realm of influence. Like we're supposed to be the carriers of this message of good news and hope and peace to our world. As we read at the beginning of the series, we're called to be ambassadors or we're called to be those who would proclaim reconciliation to God through Jesus. And when we jump in to find out what's actionable, there's some interesting stuff. So let's begin to read it. Matthew 10. So this is the rest of the story. Jesus sends out the 12 is how it's titled in my Bible. It says, He called His 12 disciples to Him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and heal every disease and sickness. The first thing that that Jesus does in this process of sharing the role uh, of being a sharer of the good news is the first thing He does to equip us to be great sharers is He gives us authority. So we need to use it. It goes on. Let's, let's skip past all the names here. Verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. I'm pissed at you. No, that's not the message, right? Okay. So the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff 
for the worker is worth his keep. The second discovery we have here in that section is, if it's free to you, pay it forward. And actually, expect it to be paid forward. We'll talk more about that in a second. Verse 11, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. So the third thought in this section is be the people. And then we have be the home. Check this out in verse 12. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave the home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. They were sent to connect. They were sent to serve, heal, give, preach, right? All these words that they're supposed to do. Drive out the demonic. They were sent to share freely what they had been given. But more than this, they were sent with an expectancy of those who would receive them and those whom they would be sharing with. So let's look at these four four elements kind of in, in detail. Authority. What's the importance of having authority? Why is this significant? to us. You did not, you really do not have permission to share without it. It's interesting when you look up the word authority, what it literally means is covering. It's like the shelter we have. God's authority, when we're under His authority, we're literally under cover. We have a way out of temptation. We have a covering from the devourer. All these are in this terminology of authority. Uh, when we are following our, our authority and submitting to our authority in, in Father God and those whom He puts in authority over us, we're, we're submitted. We're protected. Uh, I think sometimes we hear that word and we think of authority lording over us. That's, that's not the intent. The, the reality is authority watching over us. And so it's, it's kind of a cool concept. But this is what's interesting. As people approached Jesus, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at the occurrences of, of this word authority, uh, it's mostly used in people questioning Jesus. They'll come to Him and they'll ask Him, by whose authority are you driving out these demons? Or by what authority are you eating on Sunday? By what authority would you, you know, and it's because without God's authority, he should not have been doing it. And they were wondering if it was like the devil's authority. Like, is this the devil's authority that he's doing this stuff by? You know, what is this? By what authority? Notice they didn't go to Jesus and say, who are you that you're driving out demons? They really didn't care about that. They cared about his authority. And I think when, when we go out and we begin to become sharers of what is happening in and through our lives, we need to be aware that we have the same authority Jesus had, that he acted from. We have the same authority to, to share and have covering and not fear the ramifications 
we've been given authority, the Great Commission, okay? Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20 says this, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, speaking of himself. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The significance is Jesus is with us. By what authority do we share what God is doing in our lives? By the authority of of Jesus. He's with us. And all authority is given to Him. Authority is our covering, covering our actions of faith. I love the challenge in Titus in 2.15, the second half of the passage says, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Encourage, rebuke with all authority. Revelation 12.10 through 11 says this, I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. It's interesting here. The part, if you would say, of this secret sauce of uh, the, the gospel or what changes people's lives or what helps people overcome the temptation of the enemy in their life, it's not what we memorize. It's not in the, uh, the four spiritual laws or a secret prayer we have to have people pray exactly for them to overcome or a certain volume we need to pray in or a certain posture we need to be in when we pray or what scent of oil we anoint them with for them to be healed or those aren't the important things. What really transforms lives is the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. It's done. That work is finished. And it's the word of our testimony. How we share what God is doing in our lives brings freedom. What we share brings freedom. The fact that we become sharers and talkers of our faith brings freedom. It's interesting because this can even happen nowadays on so many easy levels of dialogue. With the capacity that social networking provides us, we have the opportunity to become incredibly heard sharers. We just need to begin the practice of it, of saying, man, what would happen if you just said powerful service today at Open Life? Now, one, that would have to be true. So hopefully, you know, but like, it was like, just really enjoyed uh, the scriptures we read today at Open Life. That takes all the pressure off me right there. (laughs) You know, just loved the music today. You know, I mean, how couldn't you? And you just look at that and you just, a simple post, and they're like, oh, what's open line? Like, you go to church? Yeah, start the dialogue. Start the conversation. The key is your testimony. You sharing what's happening in your life. You sharing your life. 
We delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Be a life sharer because you have covering. You're protected from whatever vulnerability you think that might put you in. Jesus is looking for those who go out with nothing but willingness. Isn't this kind of interesting? I mean, in Matthew 9, he's saying he looked out and people were helpless. They were harassed and helpless like sheep with no shepherd. But then he sends his 12 disciples out as those going out amongst wolves. I'm like, okay, wait, 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 wait. So you prayed right here, and then you just sent them out to the wolves. That's awesome, Jesus. But that's because he gave them authority. He said, I'm going to be your covering. Don't be afraid. You're going out amongst wolves. Be shrewd and innocent. I think sometimes we're good at being innocent and not wise. We're not shrewd enough, right? Jesus is looking for those who will be stripped of all the things that we trust so much in. We leave the iPhone at home, and yet we can still know the Bible, you know? Can't look that up on you version. I don't know what your crutch is. Uh, your highlighted Bible is not the key, uh, though your time in the Word may give you some confidence as you share. But your, your tenure in church is not the key to sharing. You, this can be your first Sunday, and you can begin to dialogue about your experience. It's the world we live in. The message of the gospel is what must be shared. And that message is your life. The desired method of sharing this message is with your life. Jesus didn't want their stuff to be mistaken as their authority. He wanted all the glory to go to God. If all we have is memorized Scripture to share Jesus... We could be the next Westboro Baptist Church. We could get off. Instead of listening to the Holy Spirit, we can grab portions of scriptures and begin to place them on banners at untimely moments in people's lives and become an offense instead of the message of hope. We have to prayerfully share the right time, the right place, the right method. Number two, if it's free to you, pay it forward. This whole thought, freely you've received, freely give, even though they were told to take nothing. They really had nothing to give. They didn't receive anything, right? Go, go without sandals. You know, if you, let's do evangelism this week. I, I, here's the deal. Leave your Bible and uh, don't take your phone. And that scarf looks awesome. It's fashionable. But leave that in the room. You know, it's like, that's kind of funny, but that's what he does. He doesn't want them to trust in any of their stuff, but yet they recognize that they've received so much. Jesus begins to teach about the expectancy of sharing. The worker's worth his keep. I mean, that's an interesting phrase. This is, this is challenging for them to realize, I should sacrifice and, and go serve, with, realize this perspective that it's all God's and that I will be provided for. Do you realize that every possession you have is really a gift from God? It's freely given to you. And that life would be drastically different if you carried that attitude, I guess. If you held stuff loosely. How could God utilize you differently if you held that perspective. I mean, we truly are blessed, right? Um, 
I've watched my girls this week. I told you a little bit about the Indonesia deal last week, but as we, they're trying to raise money for Indonesia, and they're making these beautiful bracelets. Anyway, uh, they're, uh, they're making these things and selling them to their friends at school, and, and uh, the generosity of their friends is ridiculous. They come home with a little Ziploc bag one day. Mom, Dad, there's over 30 bucks in this envelope. We're going, no, there's not. There's a bunch of change in there. I look at it because there's like a couple dollar bills and some change. I'm going, did they, do their families know they're bringing money and giving it to you? You know, it's like I'm the doubter. And then, and then I go over and I grab the bag and the bills are 20s. I'm going, what? You know, are you getting to 20 or 5? I'm like, yeah. One of our friends just gave us a 20. And it was just, they gave us extra. It's like they tipped us. You know, you're just going, their faith was humbling. And just seeing how freely they expected. I mean, they raised over like $100 in donations. They made a bunch of bracelets with their gifts. And then for their birthday party yesterday, they got bracelet making heaven, uh, you know, in gifts. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. But uh, I was told by complete strangers this week that they're raising money for us to go to Indonesia. In fact, started a dialogue about why we would go to Indonesia. That was like, hey, you know, uh, I'm raising money for you to go to Indonesia. I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> this conversation begins, and it's like, yeah, my daughter told me that your daughter's mentioned to them that you're going in, and you started, uh, started this conversation, and I was just going, that's crazy. Somebody gets this freely you've received, freely give thing, and I was just like, that is, we had a friend who owns a business decide to give all the income from their business from January till we leave in August to the Indonesia fund. I'm going, no, she meant profit, right? Just all the profit? No, every single dollar. And I'm just going, you kidding me? What would make someone do something like that just from reading a blog post, just from someone sharing the journey we're on? That's all we did. We just shared. In fact, that's what it's called on Facebook. Share. Right? That's what we did. And it was like all of a sudden people are beginning to, to be brought into the mission of God for open life. And for us, it's kind of crazy. People get this freely give concept. They're sharers in the mission. They're, because they get it, they're sharers in the reward of the mission. They're sharers in the sacrifice. They're sharers in the heartbeat of God. Sharing is caring. And I feel humbled I can't imagine how they feel because the person who gives receives way more than the person who receives. So what does it take for them to be the people? The third thought here in this text of Matthew 10. Jesus instructs about the people of peace in the city. This is an interesting concept. He says, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. What is it about the person that makes them worthy. And so I began to do some research. I was like, what is this person, right, they, that they would share their home? Jesus speaks of the, the home being worthy. What is this? It literally means there's someone willing to host the presence and message of God. They're worthy. A place of peace. 
I believe Jesus is still looking for those type of people who are willing to serve and, and, and be served, ultimately, wanting you to be sharers for Him of the good news of eternal life, hope, peace, and Jesus. Jesus is looking for those who will share their story of inspiration to others, how they're being inspired by Jesus. Jesus is looking for those, who, those people who will share their finances with the mission to continue to impact the world around us. You've heard of uh, shared responsibility probably with all the health care debates and stuff happening in our nation, and it, it seems like a buzzword amongst, like, if you look at corporate health care or anything, they're all talking about this shared responsibility concept, and, and specifically in the health world, but they always also talk about it in, in the compassion area of the community, and, and it's kind of this buzz phrase, but God practices this and encourages this practice in, in Scripture of shared responsibility through this concept of tithing, giving 10% of your, your income back to the storehouse or the church, we would call it in modern day. But sometimes we overlook it or deny it fully, and we risk that covering or you know, being defended from the devourer. We kind of step out from that covering in the area of our finances. and It's dangerous, but some people get it because freely I've received, so freely I give. I mean, understanding that God's still going to let me live off 90% of this, that's awesome because it was freely given. Jesus chose the generous tax collector to host the party versus the religious leaders hosting it in the temples. Isn't that kind of interesting? The tax collectors who were known for stealing from people, and he goes to their house to party. He connects with people in their house versus connecting with the people in the temple. We can't let ourselves become the served, carrying a mindset of entitlement or Christian consumerism, if you would. Jesus came to serve and not be served but he's looking for those who will do the same. Expect Jesus to come and challenge you to send you to do something, to be the people and to be the home. This one I want to dialogue about because it's something we live out and have lived out in, in the Huff home in an interesting way. But I believe Jesus is looking for the same today for people and homes that just live life open. And those who would open up more than an hour on a Sunday morning to Jesus, but open their homes as places of, of peace for God to reign, for His message to be proclaimed, a place kids want to hang out. I think every parent should strive to be that place, right? They're, man, I want my kids to hang out at our house with their friends so you could know what's happening in their life versus always have them go hang out at other people's friends and not want to hang out at our house. Isn't that kind of something that we try to do, uh, all parents, maybe? I don't know. Be a group host. Have the neighborhood after-hour party, you know, uh, or a happy-hour party or whatever in, in your backyard. Are you willing to share your time, talents, and treasures? That's what God's looking for Him. When we owned our first home, uh, we chose to... to Give it to the Lord, if you will. I remember the process. We were, we were 
Get the name of our first apartment. Well, it wasn't our first, but almost our first. The Whimsical Pig Apartments. There's a great place to tell people you live. Yeah, I live at the Whimsical Pig. They're like, that's whimsical. Anyway, uh, we did. We lived in the Whimsical Pig Apartments, and, and we were ready to not be known as the pig apartment people anymore. And so we were, we were looking to purchase our first home. We were crazy nervous about it. I think we're underwater more than that first home costs. Anyway, so I uh, was, was sitting there trying to, uh, you know, we're getting ready to purchase this house, and it was huge. It had this huge unfinished basement. And we were just like, okay, Lord, this is yours. I remember when we just, we really wanted that. If, we, if we're going to spend this much money, it bothered us how much it cost, especially my wife. It bothers her way more how much things cost compared to me. But they, uh, if we're going to spend this much money, if we're going to go in debt over something, God, we want this to be yours. So from, we just kind of call it a covenant with God, whatever. We bought bigger than we needed, and we said, God, there's extra room here. Send people who need lodging. There's space here. Let us always be open to events. There's, you know, we just put our home before the Lord. It's yours. Whatever you want to do. He decided to devalue it over the course of a couple of years. But anyway, so, you know, we were like, what do you want to do, Lord? And, uh, uh, but we used it for all kinds of stuff. We've had, we had for years people living with us, uh, both Dana's oldest brothers have lived with us for long periods of time, and it wasn't a curse. It was a blessing, right? Uh, where we had students, college students live with us. We answered a post off of, back in the day, an email that was like this student coming for the summer. For, they were in a Christian college. Never met them in our life, and we said, sure, move in. You know, I mean, we were dumb. It was awesome. Because we believed in what we prayed. Why should we hold things so tightly in our world? We said, hey, you know, we've done dinner parties. We've done sleepovers. Um, the list goes on. We've always lived with this open-door policy, even when we're gone. Kind of funny. We Last year, we're on a vacation, and there was a group meeting at our house, and that's cool. You know, groups, go ahead and meet there. I start, we didn't have cell coverage. Get back into this one little zone that our cell phones worked, and I start getting all these texts. Um, there's a girl in your house with kids. And we're like, huh? You know, and, you know, so we start, and then all of a sudden Dana starts getting these texts from one of her friends who was having trouble in her marriage and was just like, hey, can I come stay? And then she, it's, the texts are coming in. Hey, I'm on my way to your house. Hey, I remember your garage code. I'm here. I hope that's okay. <laughs> We're gone for like a week. We really didn't care. But the funny thing was, Brian was leading the group, and he's the one, there's a chick in your house. What's happening? And I was like, her name is Michelle. And I re- all I did is replied to him, who? We don't know a Michelle. <laughs> just to mess with him. But anyway, uh, that's kind of fun. Uh, we have. We've just held these things loosely. Uh, so from, from this perspective, it was a little interesting when we lived in a place that was owned by a church, and we uh, kind of shared it with the church. It was like used for church stuff, but they were nice enough to let the new pastors live there. <laughs> Man. Oh, anyway. So uh, we were living there, and I remember coming out of the shower one day, and there's like 
the janitor, and he's like, hey, men's Bible study this morning. I'm like, hey, that's awesome. You know, it's just like, it is a men's Bible study, and we're really open. So it was kind of fun, and we uh, uh, got to do that for a very short season. We found a place to live and then uh, received the blessings of that home. But it was, you know, they're like making coffee. It's ours, but they had great coffee at the men's deal. It was just kind of that thing. To us, that didn't bother us. But it was kind of funny when we moved out a time later, we were back there. Now we're the church people in the house. And, and there's other staff members that have the blessing to live there. And uh, they don't necessarily or didn't carry the same culture of openness as us. You know? And so, in fact, like all the cupboards were labeled like, this is so and so stuff. You know, it was like, mine keep out, right? And because, uh, you know, they would always just grab your pans. Oh, here's a cup. Let's just drink with this one. And it's like your favorite cup, and now it's got lipstick on it. Oh, that's odd, you know? And uh, so, but that's just kind of the way we, we were used to that. But that was, it was tough to share for the others. It was, it, but I believe because we've kept this spirit of, sharing, it's allowed us to receive so many blessings. I can't express the blessings that we've received because of it. It's pretty crazy. And I would challenge you to be the person and be the home. Find ways to live your life open. I want let me just wrap it up. I mean, we'll not see the gospel spread without your sharing, your story, sharing in the responsibility of stewardship, sharing in the delight of giving your life as well as those within the city. You know, you have, you have been empowered with the authority to go and share your life and the gospel. I believe Jesus is stirring now. Maybe not even in just the people here, but in the people of our community or in the communities around us, stirring in the lives of those who will eventually actually become future parts of additional open life churches in our region. In Buckley, Lakeland, Ording, South Prairie, Prairie Ridge, Enumclaw, Wilkeson, I don't know. Anywhere God desires to raise up that person of peace, in that home, and that home begins to meet, right? People of peace in, in their cities, yet, yet to even be Christians maybe. Maybe they haven't even chosen Jesus yet, but there's the stirring happening in them. Yet to open their home, but all of a sudden they'll open their home and they'll watch this thing get blessed, whatever it is in their house, and, and, and little will they realize maybe it's even a future church in that community. Actually, I had coffee with a person this week that thinks they might be in the process of this, and it's kind of freaking them out. I love that. Connecting, serving, sharing. God would pour out His blessing on them in their home, in that community. Watch people rise up and become the church. It can happen here. It can happen in any city. It can happen in any country. While we're dreaming about God raising people up and starting churches… I'm crazy enough to pray this. You know, one of the things our missionary friends in Indonesia jotted down as a need for their church there in Surabaya. They have multiple campuses, and he's got one with 300 people in it, meets in a mall, and he said, 
if you know any young pastors that would be interested in coming out and being campus pastors, working interculturally, uh, begin to let them know that there's a place out here to pastor. And, and, and maybe that they could come and do that. And I was like, man, what if we could find those people before we went in August and just take them with us? Can we pray ridiculous prayers like that? People that would share in the mission of leading others to Christ across the street and around the world. I think God's all about this. And we need to begin to dream big. This is one of those messages, as I said, that's easier caught than taught. When you see someone, I, I posted a video that I watched this week. It was too low quality to show up here today. You would have been like trying to figure out what pixel was a person's face on the screen. But it looks great little on a computer. Of people being inspired by watching other people share and serve. I think what we always probably underestimate our ability to influence others. And, uh, but we need to be those that would live realizing we are an influence. The Apostle Paul words it beautifully, and I want to close with this passage. In Philippians 4.9, he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. If we want to be the people and places of peace in our world today, we've got to live lives that can be seen so people can learn and receive and hear the love of God through our life. That's sharing and sharing is caring. God, I thank you for your word because really it does uncomplicate our thought of what the faith is and gives us the chance to realize just the beauty and simplicity that the, the gospel can really be expressed just by unlocking our front door and letting someone in. Some of the most beautiful moments in our life are those moments when somebody is weeping on our couch. Maybe they've just fled their abusive situation or maybe they just broke up with a boyfriend or, and they're hurting but you've allowed us to share just an open place. Those relationships have been some of the most blessed relationships of our life. I just pray that others can catch that spirit of willingness to share. That they would be sharers, not just with others in the church, but those in their neighborhood, those in the community. Help us to be those that can connect and serve and share and be the people of peace in our city and the cities around us. Raise up more who are willing because there's thousands and tens of thousands that do not have the grace to have a relationship like that in their life. Let that life spread. Let that life, let those living life open be ridiculously contagious in our city. And may we see a harvest of people who discover the love of Jesus because of the life we share with them. Sharing our lives and the gospel. May it be a delight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.